Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 111 Proserpina the Archfey. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Nolan Page's table in the Levitating Platter. And welcome to another episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. Uh, I've got an awesome returning guest for you this week. But before we get to our guest, you know I got to do it the ad read from our first sponsor, Plus One EXP. You had an opportunity to hear Tony Vicenda himself on a recent episode talk about his entire brand and platform. He's got all the beard balms named after all of the basic stats from Dungeons and Dragons. And he's also expanding into soaps and lip balms and all these other sorts of things to help enhance your abilities, whether it be strength, dexterity, charisma, or more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand. But you should know that Tony's worked on other really cool games, including Repugnant, I Toaster. Down we go through the Void, Vamp, Nugula, and Brand Standing, just to name a few. And, you know, whether you go to Plus One EXP's website or you go to their itch page or whatever, and you buy something from them, all that money also goes into what's called the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you, please follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials, Twitter or X, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Discord in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. And if you don't mind, when you go to the website plus1exp.com, which I'm sure you all do every single time I mention it, and you're looking for a code to put in the box, be sure to type in the code RANDOLPH at checkout in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. And it also helps to support this show. So again, that code is Randolph on the website, plus1exp.com. Well, it has been a while since we have spoken, but for those not in the know, would you care to reintroduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? My name's Nolan Page. I uh, work for a water company down here in San Antonio. Yeah, I work at a water treatment plant. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember you uh, educating me that on the first go around, <laughs> certainly with the population of Texas growing, uh, making sure that we have good water is also a very good thing. Yep. 
It's been a couple of years since we've officially talked as far as the podcast is concerned. Yeah. Keen viewers may remember that you were one of my first episodes that I collected in that span of time when everyone was stuck indoors. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep interviewing people. So you were very gracious to be one of my first guests. And uh, I certainly appreciate that. Oh, yeah, it was fun. And I'm glad to be back. So have you had an opportunity to play any Dungeons and Dragons or other TTRPGs in the meantime? Uh, yes, I've been in a couple campaigns over the last couple of years. I still haven't been a dungeon master myself. I just mm. haven't quite had the time to prepare, but I have been in a few games. Oh, that's awesome. Any chance you've played that Warhammer 40k TTRPG that I hear is out? No, I haven't. I've heard it's good, but I, I just I haven't had a chance. I know there's only so many hours in a day in order to play all the games that we want to play, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you come across any new or interesting NPCs or sidekicks in whatever media you've consumed since the last time we spoke? Not in particular. I was kind of brainstorming the other day. Mm -hmm. Might be. Well, I mean, it's definitely more in like BBEG territory. Oh, sure. Working in water, you hear all the time, you know, a lot of people think that fluoride is bad and it's mm -hmm. like used for like mind control and stuff. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you know, obviously it's not. But in a D&D &D setting or whatever, what if it was? Mm. That might could make a really neat plot device of some sort. Yeah, the fluoride, I, I suppose, is brought up a lot in these uh, conspiracy circles in the real world, but certainly yeah. would be an interesting element to include in a TTRPG campaign. Yeah. And then have you come across any new or interesting side quests in any various games in the interim? A couple months ago, we did a one shot and uh, we didn't really know what was going on. He, he was kind of playing it close to the chest. Okay. When we get there, we've got our characters all prepped and, you know, they're all like kitted out for, you know, battle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, we get there and turns out our characters are in an Iron Chef competition. Oh, <laughs> so we're, we're sitting there. We're like teamed up, helping out an NPC. And on the other team, the character was basically his version of Loki, you know, kind of a trickster god. OK, So lots of shenanigans. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you don't get that many opportunities to do, uh, I guess, a series of skill challenge in a cooking competition. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting there with my poisoner feet and I'm like, uh oh, this is not good for cooking. <laughs> not unless you're trying to take out the competition without them knowing. Right. <laughs> and then have you come across any new passions or hobbies in the couple of years since we spoke officially on the podcast? Well, I've been uh, trying to teach myself clarinet and trombone. Oh, and it's absolutely horrible on both ends, but it's a lot of fun. I was going to say, remind me again in school, what was your instrument that you played? My main instrument was bass guitar, playing bass and jazz band, but also I played tuba and I wasn't a, a great student, but you know, I, mm. I played. Yeah, no, I remember your solid chops on the bass and, uh, you know, being in the tuba ensemble and such. Yeah, no, that's cool. Clarinet and trombone. Yeah, you're just uh, you're going to become like Dr. Steve Trinkle and you're going to become a savant <laughs> of all these instruments before you know yeah. it. <laughs> well, I'm working on it. <laughs> awesome. I just feel like we went through the questions so fast. So I just wanted to, you know, before we moved on to the next section, just, you know, give you an opportunity to be like, how has life been for you these past? few years you know whatever you feel like sharing 
uh, things have been going good. The last time we talked, I was on night shift, and I'd been on night shift for all total, it was four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a little rough. Sure. I've been on day shift for a year. Okay. It's been a pretty good year. Yeah, I mean, you get to function in like normal society and stuff like that and get to see your friends and family during the normal hours that you would. Yeah, yeah. Be be awake during the day like a normal person. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that everything's been going well and your family's been great since the pandemic lockdowns and and all that. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. animals are doing well. I know I've picked up some new animals in my life. So it's just good to hear that the Page household triumphs. Yeah, yeah talking about animals we got a, a new kitten in uh december oh and she was like they they said she was three months old but i don't think she was <laughs> mm. she was a little younger than that so she's doing pretty good getting along well with our like our 140 pound newfie mix and mm. everybody's doing good we have a dog named bishop now and he is a king charles cavalier spaniel oh so man. he just turned a year old oh man i I used to have a Cavalier King Charles. His name was Charlie. That was an option, but we decided Bishop. You know, we like that name. We'll, we'll call him Bishop. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good, excellent name. Yep. And uh, Charlie passed away, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Mm. He was such a great dog. And, and I, I'm sure Bishop is, you know, just the sweetest, you know, because they're just such good boys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good lap dog, but he can be a stinker at times chewing on toys that don't belong to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we had a wonderful time catching up, going down memory lane a little bit, and uh, that I think it's time we head into the NPC creation. Yeah, and NPC Creation is brought to you by you, podcast audience, and our patrons for Patreon. So now is the time of the show where we give a shout-out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, Anson Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. All of these fine patrons are, you know, wealthy level, but most recently, our own queen of the Patreon, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, has just upgraded her membership to the aristocratic tier. So we definitely say a big who's off for that. So that means that all of these awesome people get to submit an element of chance to our random tables, which we are going to use here right now. So if you want to learn more details and join our Patreon, you can either go to the show notes below, you can go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our accommodations, help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. So as you will recall, I know last time you came in with like part of an idea formed and then we rolled some dice, but this time you just want to go full random. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Awesome. Awesome. That is the way we like to do things on this podcast. So if you have your dice at the ready, whether physical or virtual, we begin our creation process with rolling a d20 to figure out the name of our character. All right. Uh, On a d20, I rolled a 14. 14. All right. Your answer was suggested by previous guest, Kevin No Prosperina. So that's spelled P-R-O-S-E-R- P-I-N-A. Proserpina. Proserpina? Proserpina. I know that this name is from mythology, I believe. Proserpina is what uh, Google says. Proserpina. Cool. Proserpina. Okay. We'll go with that. 
Cool. <laughs> uh, the next question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the ancestry of our character? And we determine this with a D100 or a 2D10 effect. All right, that is a 90. 90, as I scroll down the list. Oh, well, very fitting uh, with the mythology theme because we got the answer of Archfey. So, cool. Proserpina is some kind of Archfey. Comes from the Feywild, very powerful figure indeed. All right, and now we need to determine what is the job or role in society that this Archfey, Proserpina, has. You can determine this with a singular D10 roll. Okay, that is a five. Five. Okay, your answer provided by previous guest, Lauren Walsh, Market Barker. So this particular Archfey seems to be masquerading around as some kind of Market Barker. Or maybe is a Market Barker in the Feywild, who knows? And then the final piece of the puzzle for now with the dice rolling, we need to determine the age range of the character, and we do this with a D8. Eight. All right. Oh, okay, a two. A two, okay. Well, a two would make a teenager. So are you okay with a teenage Archfey named Proserpina that's a Market Barker? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I can can picture that. You can picture that. Or maybe this is a disguise, possibly, is adopting the guise of a teenager that's being a market barker or something like that, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Since we're getting into this question or alluding to it, how would you describe the physical appearance of Proserpina, the market barker teenager? I'm picturing, you know, like in the old shows, the the kids that stand there with the papers. Mm Mm-hmm. Extra, extra, read all about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, especially if we're going with a, the, the skies, you know. Yeah, a little, little kid standing there next to a stack of papers going, extra, extra. So does this market have kind of papers that it delivers? Is it like, oh, like some of these grocery stores that give you like the coupon book or something at the door to encourage you to spend your money in, on certain goods or services or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Just standing at the front being like, hey, sale on tomatoes. Yeah. Get them right here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, hey, 13 eggs today instead of 12, you know. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. All right. And so how do you imagine this teenager form is appearing? Proserpina. Proserpina. Maybe that's like a feminine name. So is that like a feminine appearance you're thinking maybe? Or is it different? I don't know. The, um, I, w- I was picturing, uh, yeah, a female, pointy ears, but in the kind of that old extra, extra garb, like with like what uh, black overalls like, or, or maybe suspenders. Oh, okay. So like look, looking like a newsie. Yeah, yeah. That's the word, newsie. <laughs> well, you know, maybe more like a brightly colored shirt okay. instead of the, the black and white. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the teenage guys, and so we're assuming some sort of, like, elven form then, I suppose? Yeah. Okay. I mean, since it's kind of disguised, you know, maybe maybe some pointy ears, but not a whole lot of much to draw attention to appearance, I guess. Okay, so just trying to blend in and look the part. Yeah. So we're imagining that Persepina is existing in the mundane world instead of, like, the natural Feywild? Maybe kind of like an Eberron setting or like a... Oh, like a desert climate? Well, like, um, what am I trying to say? Um, not like the mundane world, but kind of they're going through like an industrial revolution type of thing. You know, they got like steampunkery going on. So it may be like the material plane, but it's not just like 
generic medieval fantasy land. This is like a steampunk area that's undergoing some kind of magical industrial revolution or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I'm seeing. Okay. And certainly we can explore it more in some of the other questions as well, but I'm just curious if you've already got ideas forming as to why this particular archfey is in this place and adopting this particular disguise. Does the archfey have some sort of interest in this steampunk industrial magical society or something like that? Maybe uh, just kind of a, what am I trying to say, um, kind of like a spy. Oh, okay. So acting as a spy. And they, and rather than sending some underling, they just themselves are there in all their archfey power and glory. Kind of what I was picturing, yeah. Okay. You know, archfey. You know, if they get into trouble, they they can get out. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Rather than sending one of their underlings who could easily get captured and studied or experimented on or something. Yeah. And is this their true archfey name? I personally am having a stumbling block saying it. Is that the archfey's real name? Or is that like the disguise name of the teenager? And so, oh, it sounds like very elven. And so that's why it's hard to say or something like that. I, I hadn't really thought of it. So I was kind of thinking maybe Pers- uh, Persephone is their real name. Okay. And uh, maybe in the world she's spying on, maybe uh, Percy. Ooh, Percy. Okay, interesting. So she goes by Percy and her market Barker form. But then Proserpina is the Archfey's real name. Yeah. Oh, it seems like decent, decent okay. cover. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I just, uh, I just wanted to understand. So, and maybe also get an idea of like an easier name to say. So, you know, yeah. Percy, Proserpina, what three adjectives best describe her? Well, I mean, definitely observant. Okay. Uh, inquisitive, I suppose. Okay. And uh, trying to think like friendly, but like too friendly. Mm. Like, phony phony hmm interesting and so by being overly friendly as a market barker you think that throws people off the trail as to like oh percy couldn't be something more than she appears she's just like a market barker she's trying to get you to buy stuff in the market you know yeah yeah. she's not anything more than that she's just super annoying teenager kind of a thing exactly Mm. a little bit annoying so people are like ugh. like no i don't want your coupons leave me alone yeah no i don't want to join your rewards membership program no you can't have my phone number i'll get a ding on my credit <laughs> i don't need to give you my social security number yeah <laughs> okay all right i'm starting to like percy proserpina and then let's see the next question we have here and we get to go back to some dice rolling what is going to be a valuable item piece of lore a secret or an ideal or concept that percy slash proserpina ascribe to this is the combo d4 d6 roll okay all right a d4 and d6 all right uh on the d4 i got a one and on the d6 i got a three okay well your answer was provided by previous guest kevin chenard percy proserpina has an ivory statuette of an owl that once per day animates and can be used to deliver a long distance message Awesome. So does this have to be involved with the uh, the spy network that Percy Proserpina is running? That'd be pretty handy to, you know, get intel back to home. Is this owl able to travel back to the Feywild or are there other agents or spies that Percy Proserpina is in control of in this town, in this area or a neighboring community within this particular setting? 
I'm kind of picturing that it can travel to like a maybe like a, a nearby hideout or maybe like a village. Okay. And go and relay info there, and then they can do what they do with the info. Okay. Whatever their ends are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so maybe just uh, as we're discovering this item and kind of like the idea behind this character, you know, this Archfey herself that's willing to put herself in harm's way to figure out all this intel. Do you have some sort of idea as to why the Fae are spying on this particular civilization, for lack of a better term? Does it have to do with them making intrusions into the Feywild? Are they stealing resources from the Feywild? Is it like a Fern Gully situation? Um, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, since, you know, it's kind of an industrial revolution era going on, mm-hmm. they're, they're just kind of making sure, trying to steer them away from, like, dark magic. Oh. Stuff that they shouldn't get into. So there's a natural environment uh, that this civilization is trying to make usage of and them being natural protectors say of like the forest or the swamps or what have you that's nearby this civilization that's rich in resources the archfey and their network are just trying to steer them in a direction that's going to help them avoid the more dangerous elements of that environment yeah yeah or discovering natural portals to the fey wild or the shadow fell or whatever else yeah, you know, we don't want none of that either. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. So an archfey that does seem to have noble intentions, it seems. Not one of these greedy, self-interested sort of archfeys that wants to, like, sow chaos or anything like that. This is, like, a protector sort of archfey. Maybe, like, some sort of maybe lawful neutral or lawful good sort of a character, you think? Yeah. I feel like her loyalty would be to, you know, the Feywilds. Like, mm-hmm. Goal one is protect the Feywilds, and then mm-hmm. as a secondary, like, hey, let's try to keep these folks from destroying themselves. <laughs> now that we've discovered all these elements, what is going to be a particular quest that Percy, per Serpina, is willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on her behalf? If you want to roll for this randomly... This can be the final dice, which is a D12. Or if you're inspired, um, you can just kind of generate your own side quest. You know what? Let, let's roll. Sure. Go for it. Uh, eight. Eight. Ooh. Okay. Your answer provided by previous guest, Alyssa Vischer, cleanse a contaminated pool, which seems to go great with our industrial revolution sort of a theme. So can we elaborate more on the nature of this contaminated pool? Yeah. Let's see. Okay. I'm thinking there was a natural spring and uh, as the town built up, Mm -hmm. they took that spring and turned it into like a fountain. Oh, okay. You know, something like that. We're like right in your wheelhouse of like expertise now. Like the stars (laughs) could not have aligned better for this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So a natural spring, a natural pool that as the civilization grew encompassed it and then they decided let's turn it into a fountain. Yeah. (laughs) okay and then it's become contaminated over time because of like i'm just trying to think of uh the things people have done in burgeoning industrial societies are they using it to like bathe in are they washing their clothes in it are they throwing their waste in it or are the industrial companies dumping toxic waste into the pool and the people like this fountain and they can't stop you know the big powerful uh mage guild from dumping their uh, magic toxic barrels into the fountain or something 
or maybe they're dumping fluoride in. Oh no, the fluoride is back. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make all our teeth clean and mind control us. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, um, I think definitely some sort of chemical waste is making its way into there and making the fountain nasty, but also the spring, making the spring Mm. nasty. Okay. Obviously, with your expertise in this field, you know, so it's a, it's already a natural occurring spring that's been converted into a fountain for the purposes of the town. But even beneath a spring, are there still like branches of the spring that go out and feed into like other natural water sources like springs and creeks and rivers and all this stuff? And obviously water's got to come from somewhere else in order to feed into the spring kind of a situation. Oh, yeah. yeah, Absolutely. And yeah, um, I mean, well, we don't got to get too realistic, but, you know, it could be like an aquifer and, uh, you know, like the, the spring is the bottom part of an aquifer and uh, uphill, like a long ways. Maybe that's where the contamination's coming. That's from. where the source of the contamination is, because they think, oh, you know, we dump it up here. It's not going to be a problem, but it's trickled its way down into this fountain that the public uses. And now I'm just uh, imagining like, uh, what was it? There was an episode of The Simpsons where the, the fish start eating each other and they have different colored eyes as they go on or different yeah. numbers of eyes as they go on. So yeah, yeah. people in the town are like drinking this water. They're washing their clothes. They're they're bathing. They're doing whatever they need to do. But slowly you see someone has like an extra thumb growing on their hand or yeah. someone's got the burgeoning beginning of a third eye. Or an extra, you know, set of gills growing on their neck. And they're just like, we don't understand what's going on. And the, yeah. the the local government's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, this is, it's all part of the revolution of the industry that we're doing. Like, don't you see that this is all just part of the process or whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the players are tasked. They do the mission of cleaning it up, but whatever a dungeon master decide that means it entails. Um, and they return to Percy, Perserpina, and they report that, hey, the contaminated pool is now clean. What's going to be the reward? Well, Percy was handing out coupon books or, you know, flyers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it takes the players to realize that when they tear a coupon out, another one's magically there and they never run out of coupons. Ooh, an unlimited coupon book for this town. Yeah, it'd be subtle, but extremely useful, you know? Yeah, yeah. Permanent discounts on healing potions and grappling hooks and whatever supplies you need from this market. Yeah. And is that about the extent of the reward? Does Percy let slip that maybe perhaps they're a little more powerful than they let on? Maybe does this provide like future missions or something? A reoccurring NPC, if you will? Yeah, yeah. And then we have to consider the opposite. What's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? How is Percy Proserpina going to react to that? What if the players side with the industrial mage complex and they're like, we don't care about the environment and the water. We're just, in fact, we're going to do even more polluting. (laughs) Oh man, I don't know. Keeping in mind that this is an archfey in disguise is this particular archfey character going to unleash some sort of curses or disadvantages or penalties towards the players in some fashion or form i think it would be maybe a disadvantage when bartering Mm, okay just like permanent well until it's resolved somehow but a permanent 
disadvantage whenever you're trying to make bargaining or economic diplomacy persuasion checks kind of a thing. Yeah. Interesting. It's definitely an inconvenience, but not something that's debilitating towards the players. Yeah, Do you think yeah. that would be the extent of it or anything more serious? Do they get on some sort of watch list or something as far as the Archfey is concerned? I think she would keep it pretty innocuous to maintain her concealment, maintain her cover. Right, but her network at least would be aware of like these player characters that she asked them to do something and they said no and refused her. And so she's like, okay, we got to keep tabs on these people to know what they're doing. Is there a difference if it comes to like failing? Like they actually go out there to try and stop it, but for whatever reason, like the archmages or whatever overwhelm them and they're not able to stop the contamination or something. Is there going to be like a different reaction to that? I don't know. I, I feel like if they tried, she would at least, you know, throw them a bone or at, or at the very least not punish them. Okay. You know, if, if they if they really, you know, gave it an honest try. Mm-hmm. But refusal or like not even really attempting to do a good job, she's going to put that perma disadvantage on the economic persuasion checks until you either come back to her to like apologize and make up for it. Or that, I don't know, they get some sort of like wish spell or or something that would do away with it. But then they never learn the truth as to why that disadvantage was there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, nothing crazy because she wants to also conceal or maintain her cover. What are the goals and motivations of Percy Proserpina as a character? Primary goal, protect the Feywilds and nature. How do these goals affect Proserpina's personality? Hmm. I feel like she'd be very persuasive. Hmm. Okay. With the lawful and just her power level as an archfey, just is able to like get at the heart of the matter with with people and things. Yeah, and really good at, at knowing what to say to get what she wants. How does Proserpina normally interact with other people? Is she the same across the board, or is she pretty nuanced depending on who she's talking to? I feel like she would be nuanced, like have a good feel for reading people and seeing how to talk to that person you know is there a difference in like her actual arch fey mode that she addresses like other fey creatures who are you know subservient to her or is she like the same she knows exactly what she needs to say to this servitor of hers in order to get them to do their best job with whatever she needs done she wouldn't address them differently she just you know each individual basis she knows what to say to them Okay, she's a good archfey in that regard. She's not like draconian or mean or anything like that. She knows exactly what she needs to say in order to get the person to do what they need to do. Yeah, you know, you you kill more flies with honey than vinegar. Is there a particular accent or language that Perserpina uses? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how she acts or speaks? Is there an accent or something that she adopts while she's Percy? And is it different than how she would normally talk if she was in her natural archfey form? Hmm. And I don't know if we address that as well. Do you envision that her archfey form looks any different than how she, you know, obviously appears in disguise? I I think her disguise form Mm -hmm. is basically just what she looked like when she was young. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then maybe... uh, when she's not in her disguise, you know, maybe she's kind of, you know, more along the lines of like Galadriel, you know. Mm, okay. You know? 
And then is there like a, a idiosyncrasy in, in how she acts or speaks? Is there a particular accent that she deploys? You know, we had this idea of like a newsies market barker of like, you know, teenager extra, extra kind of a thing. Is that how, yeah. is that how she talks when she's an archfey or is that only as part of her disguise? I, I think that's only part of her disguise. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of nasally. And then, you know, when she's not disguised, you know, just more, I don't know, refined, I guess. Mm. Fine. Okay. Okay. Noble. I don't know. (laughs) All right. And then what impact has she made on the world? How has she shaped the local area? I know she's having to combat this whole burgeoning society that's growing, but how successful to this point has she been with at least steering them subtly or not so subtly? I feel like to this point, she's been pretty successful. Okay. The spring, the fountain, you know, that was kind of like, oh, that's a... That's a new problem, but most of the older problems she's managed pretty well. Mm, Yeah. And probably because she's, you know, been there herself, you know, she's had the most effect rather than just kind of taking the more passive role, uh, you know, in the command center, telling everyone else what to do. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to go there and do it myself. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. She's not a delegator. She gets her hands dirty. Mm, Okay. And then does Perserpina have any current problems that prevent her from being an even bigger player on the stage? Is it the fact that she's having to keep this disguise? She can't just burst out in her true form and then, you know, tell all these mages or industrial people what for and what they're doing is wrong or misguided. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's okay to not know some things, you know, uh, maybe can be open-ended and left to mystery. So yeah, I mean, it is, possible to think you know maybe this immediate problem that she's asking the player characters to take care of maybe this is the biggest problem she's trying to deal with right now or maybe they're just a multitude of other problems that she can more easily handle on her own but this one would involve oh you have to travel outside of town it's going to take a while to get there and you know this is a real big hassle for me to try and take on while i'm also trying to juggle like five other things that are going on that i can easily address or something yeah yeah like she's like I could do these five things or I could do that one thing and ignore these five things. So, mm. so y'all don't go do the one thing. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, I think we've learned a lot about Perserpina slash Percy that I think it's time we head into a random encounter. All right. And of course, this segment of the show does not have a sponsorship, but if you would like to change that, feel free to send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests.com. I'm happy to read your proposals and have you be a permanent sponsor of this episode in this particular segment that will live in perpetuity, don't you know? So I hope to hear from some rich noble woman or eccentric lord soon. All right. As you remember, this is the random encounter section where we get to do a little role play, a little vignette with the character. So I think you've done a great job of giving life to Perserpina, but I'm curious how I should approach the scene. Am I going to be one of my podcast characters that's going to come and get the side quest? Yeah, that'd probably be, I could probably handle that a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so then we've got a cast of characters to choose from. We have Duncan, the recklessly brave adventurer for hire, happy-go-lucky, that kind of guy. We've got Sonya. The warrior woman who uh, started off as a barbarian, multiclassed into a paladin who serves to redeem the undead. We have nice. Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf. We have Chrisley, the herbalist botanist wood elf druid. 
who multiclassed into a cleric that serves living memory. We have Orion, who is the astral elf illusionist wizard. And then we have Agape, who is the tiefling, wild magic, Feywild-inspired sorcerer. I think Percy would try to butter up the druid. Oh, you think that Chrisley would be the better character to meet? From Percy's perspective. But then, like, say, the the other one would probably be happy to meet an archfey. <laughs> oh, true, yeah. Well, let's see. Do you want to flip a coin or roll a dice? If it's evens, we'll do Chrisley. And if it's odds, we'll do Agape. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Ah, uh, one. So odd. Odds <laughs> would be Agape. Okay. So where we last left our hero Agape, she had returned to the mortal realm and she had ended up inside of a graveyard where she met the young Sunny Pondborn and helped this gif gravedigger across town in order to get some medicine to bring it back to his pa who was sick. And so Sonny was very appreciative, and so was Sonny's mom. And uh, after that adventure, we'll say maybe it's even this same town, because this graveyard is just kind of sequestered into one part of the town. And as Agape is exploring further, she's beginning to see more of the industrial complex starting to take over. Perhaps she was an old town, and now she's starting to head into the newer, more industrialized part. So she's walking around. And she can see this market coming up into view and she, you know, she's flowing with the crowds as they're going. And so as she's starting to approach this market and where she could conceivably see Percy, what is Agape seeing? So, yeah, the entrance of the market, uh, just a little newsy, little girl with the kind of pointed ears hollering, you know, hey, coupons, come get your coupons. And uh, Agape is kind of like, you know, again, she's a fish out of water in this place, but she kind of gets bumped out of line. And so she ends up right in front of Percy, who can naturally detect as an archfey that this lilac purple colored tiefling, who's just wearing very simple leathers and other sorcerer type garb, is imbued with a wild magic and that it is Feywild linked. So it's almost kind of like a natural sort of attraction, you know, between the two, not like in a romantic way or anything like that, but just naturally it's like in uh, Into the Spider-Verse when the one Peter Parker recognizes Miles Morales as another Spider-Man. So it's kind of yeah. like that, you know, you get the, the Spider-Man wiggle Spider-Sense lines and then yeah. they just kind of like connect. And so she can't place immediately like why she's vibing with this teenager in front of her, but Agape will just stop and be like, Oh, oh, sorry. Um, I, I just got pushed pushed by the crowd a little bit, but uh, he hello, nice to make your acquaintance. And she'll hold out her hand and she'll say, uh, uh, my name's Agape. Ni nice to meet you. Well, hi, I'm Percy. Percy. Nice to meet you too. Wow. Wow. And then you see that she kind of perks up and smiles, you know, like she's feeling like, you know, she's made like a new friend and she's just kind of like looking around and she's like, wow, this, this is, this is new and different i don't think i've ever seen anything like this before what's this you have coupons what are these oh yeah coupons you can use them throughout the market may, may i see one? Oh yes please take it i got a whole stack so what what kind of coupons are in this book not like mind-blowing coupons it's like buy nine healing potions get a tenth one free they're marketed in such a way that it's going to encourage you to have to spend a lot of money in order to get any benefit from these basically yes yeah Oh, okay. So she's kind of like, oh, wow. Like they, I guess they're really proud of what they're 
selling here. Oh, man, I don't even know if I have this much. Oh, sure you do. Sure you do. She kind of looks uh, quizzically at, at Percy, but she'll smile. And she says, thanks. Um, well, I mean, I guess I have been I've been hopping between the planes a little bit as it late uh, with some of the magics I've been casting. So it might not necessarily be a bad idea to stock up on some supplies. And then just naturally, she kind of looks over the way. Is the fountain in question sort of nearby this market? Yes. Okay, so she looks over to the towards the fountain, and what is she seeing when she sees this fountain? So I'm kind of picturing like the multi-tiered like bowls, and it comes out, it comes over the edges and uh, through like little grooves, and uh, the water is just the color just ain't right. It's got mm. a, a little like it. It doesn't look horrible, but it's just not quite the. It's <laughs> it's got high turbidity. <laughs> uh it's it's not very clear mm. and are there like people sitting by it children playing in it or or doing other kinds of things that we might imagine people in the past of like victorian england or like you know turn of the century new york city or some of these other big population kind of environments or is it not that kind of fountain i was thinking more like a like a, a wishing fountain you know a few people like yeah like flicking some coins in there and you know making some wishes so Agape's attention is kind of turned to that fountain, maybe because she's matching the energy of Percy. And she'll just look like, oh, well, that that looks odd. Shouldn't that water be better than that? Yes, yes, it should. Hmm. You know, maybe just without thinking, you know, maybe sensing innately the Archfey presence here. She'll just kind of be like, I mean, is there, I don't know, what is there something that can be done to fix that? Yeah, uh, Percy kind of lowers her voice a little bit and kind of changes her tone. And she's like, do you really want to know how to fix it? Or are you just making conversation? Does she speak that like Elvish or Sylvan or something like that, maybe? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, uh, let's go Sylvan. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Agape's eyes perk up and she like looks at Percy as kind of like, who are you? Like, And so she'll kind of like respond back in Sylvan almost surprised and she'll be like, you know how to speak Sylvan? Like, I, not many people know how to. Well, I got to make sure I can sell coupons to everybody with a little bit of a sly grin. <laughs> okay. And so then she'll say, so then I'm to take it that you're not what you necessarily appear to be. Well, is anybody? Mm, she nods affirmatively and she goes, uh, and she'll switch back to common and she'll say, yeah, I mean, if there's something that can be done to fix this fountain, if it's important to you, then yeah, I'm happy to help. Oh, okay. She'd say, yeah, the, the source from this water, it starts uphill quite a ways and kind of points in, you know, the direction. You know, outside of town, quite a ways that way. And I think something is contaminating the waters from that area. But I haven't had a chance to go check it out myself. Yeah, and maybe kind of like as a like a framing device, like in a movie or something like that, some of these like rich mages or captains of industry kind of walk by and, you know, they toss like a copper or something in the fountain, kind of like in a way like showing their disdain and kind of chuckling to themselves about like, oh, how great and powerful we are. And so maybe even as Percy's finishing delivering that line, it's kind of like a look of sneering or disgust at them. And so Agape's noticing that and kind of like trying to piece some things together. And so then Agape will respond and say, okay, so find the source of the water 
and then that's where I need to clean it up. And then the water here, and then she kind of gestures broadly to like the market and the rest of this part of town. And then, then everyone will benefit. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And so then she'll finish out the scene just by leaning in a little closer to Percy and then in Sylvan, maybe she recites the beginning of some kind of a common riddle in the Feywild. And she's just trying to see maybe depending on how Percy answers, if it gives her an idea of like maybe who exactly she's dealing with. So how would Percy respond given this Sylvan question riddle? I don't think she would give the typical answer, Mm -hmm. but I think she would give an answer that alludes that she knows the answer. She just doesn't want to say it. Okay. She nods impressively and without much haste, she kind of gives like a, a little bow, a little salute. She says, okay, well, let me, I guess she looks gestures to the market. Well, I guess let me stock up on some supplies and looks like I'm, uh, I'm doing some water work. Well, I would sure appreciate your help and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make it worth your time if you uh, come back and see me when you're done. Yes, ma'am. And scene. So there we go. What'd you think getting to be Percy Proserpina? That, that was fun. <laughs> I know you said you've been waiting for the opportune moment to be a DM, but do you think that this would be a character that if you were running a game, you would want to deploy in a setting? Yeah, I, I think so. I think she could be a real good, uh, a real good recurring character. Player characters, like if you out there listening in podcast land are looking for an idea of like who your archfey is, it might not be a bad idea to make Percy or Proserpina your particular archfey and that this is their cause, that they care about wanting to steer this civilization in a particular way that's going to avoid the worser parts of decay and spreading further destruction across the land or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, you know, we're here in the final thoughts section of the show, so I always like to check in with everybody and and just see how their time was on the show and, you know, was it worth the wait, the multi-year wait, I guess, uh, to get back on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it's good talking to you, too. You know, it's been a while. Yeah. (laughs) You know, time flies and life happens, and, you know, we got to do all we can to make sure we stay in touch, even if it means being on a podcast episode. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, of course, before we end the episode, I always like to leave the microphone stage soapbox platform to the guests. So if you want to be found online, where can we do that? If there's any passions or causes or anything of that nature that we need to be made aware of. I remember last time you were telling us to support our local zoos and uh, animal foundations and the like. So has any of that changed or is there something new that we need to be made aware of? Honestly, that's that's still where my passions lie. Go support your local zoos and, and not local, you know, all of them, because sure. some of them, you know, they're assurance colonies because some animals are, you know, they're they're gone in the wild mm. and all that's left is, you know, the ones that are in zoos and mm. such. And, you know, it's a neat way to see new critters. A couple months ago, we went we went to a, a zoo a little bit outside of town and they had a binturong. And what? I was like, oh, I've, I've never seen one in real life. I was, it blew me away. Oh, man, I'm going to have to figure out how that's spelled so I can put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> B-I-N-T. Uh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the first part. There we go. <laughs> Funny looking things. Uh, bear cats. Oh. Uh, that, when people say bear cat, that's what they're talking about. Usually. Oh, okay. 
And, you know, by going to the zoo, you might get inspired for a new animal companion or D&D monster that you might want to throw in your game as well. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Mr. Nolan, thank you so much for your time, for being a returning guest on the show. Can't wait to have you back on yet again sometime in the future. Hopefully it won't be too many years, but uh, we'll have you back on making even more NPCs. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. If you don't like using podcast apps and services, I'm proud to announce that I'm in the process of uploading the podcast to our very own dedicated YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for Sidekicks and SideQuests. All future episodes should automatically publish to our YouTube channel. Visit our website sidekicksandsidequests.com for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and the corresponding threads, Twitter, now rebranded X, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. You can now also find a very tiny community on Discord as well. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, simply send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes, five stars if you please, to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon for the podcast. If you love this podcast and you want to help support us and take our show to the next level, I would appreciate it if you would go to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations await, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Seriously, your financial support allows for this passion project to continue to invest in itself through the tools that will take our production to the next level, as well as provide more content for our patrons and the community at large. Please consider supporting me on Patreon if you can. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Thank